Hello everyone, Rainy here from DMs After Dark again with another episode of Playing With Myself on the Internet. Unfortunately, last week we were not able to stream for the first time since we started our little endeavor here due to illnesses and personal issues, and for that we are super sorry. Uh, we try and be very consistent and we want to be here for you guys to hang out with every other Friday on Twitch when we play games, hopefully show you guys games that you're enjoying, and I thought... As opposed to missing a podcast drop from what would normally be the stream audio, I was going to find time and play another session of Colossal. Now, I believe there may still be a stream on the 30th. We may be making something happen there, continuing Crossroads Carnival if everyone's up to it. Um, otherwise, we will be picking right back up next year to finish out that series before we start a much longer form RuneQuest campaign that Christian is going to be running. Very exciting. And if we don't do anything, uh, happy holidays to everyone. I hope you have a wonderful last few weeks of the year and close out 2022 the best way you possibly can and begin 2023 quite excitedly and happily. But... At the same time, I'm kind of excited to be able to play Colossal back-to-back -back weeks and keeping this fresh in my mind. You know, why don't we just jump right back into it? Super quick recap. Last week, Marco, Berger, and Alice emerged from the Crackways and discovered the city of Rust Gorge, a desert canyonland city that had everything you would expect from a major city of the Roomlands, the Hunter's Guild, the Merchant, the the housing district, and the tavern. And along with things like a lapidarist, which is the rookstone specialist, a gourmet district, a palace, which was very interesting, but of course Marco had no reason to go to. But we did manage to pick up a new quest at the Hunter's Guild, and Marco made an ally in Drea, the cartographer and leader, really, of this Hunter's Guild. She is an academic, she's become someone who's very interested in knowledge and using information that she can get from hunters going out into the roomlands, bringing back information, mapping, resources, etc. Um, and Marco's familial map made their interaction pretty interesting. They made a bond and they shared information. Alice signed up for a quest where we will be dealing with a rook who's been some trouble. They are creating problems. They are a flying rook located on an island in the middle of a lake that we decided was on top of a mesa. So I'm not sure exactly what this natural spring is, but there's this natural spring that bubbles up into a lake on a mesa. There's an island in the middle of it. This rook is causing issues for the local hunters guild and Alice and Marco decided to take this job on. Multiple other hunters have tried, have gone there to assaults this rook and try and solve the problem, but every time they do, it is throwing rocks at them from up high, and that is further damming the water from leaving this perched reservoir, and because of that, there's been lower water levels reaching the towns and cities along the river all the way to Rust Gorge. So, kind of an interesting quest. Marco, not being the fighting type, sees this as an opportunity to maybe study this rook or solve this problem without violence. We'll see if that's an option. And otherwise, we ended last session with uh, the first exploration phase of two to arrive at this location of this quest. 
and we flipped a few cards. Let's go over what we flipped. We flipped a two of hearts, which was an animal that we found easy prey. So we got a meal out of it, which was very nice. Uh, I believe we decided that Alice's arm, she put a harpoon on it and fired it out with uh, attached to the rope. She kind of has like a rope bazooka and she can put whatever she wants on the end of the rope, which again, ended up being really cool. Uh, we also drew a five of hearts, which was a dead body of another human that we found that seemed safe. We ended up tying that into a trap that we found. We avoided it because of the six of spades as opposed to being caught in it, which would have been a club. Um, and we decided that actually the dead body that we found and avoided the trap uh, was stuck in one of these traps. And these traps were set by the other two cards we flipped were the eight and the nine of diamonds, which was a small settlement and a massive skeleton that looks humanoid and ended up being a bandit camp. So we ended up saying that that small settlement was the bandit camp built out of this massive skeleton, which must have been a rook or something. Honestly, I'm thinking a lot of like Zelda Breath of the Wild vibes where you can meet those uh, bokoblins that are living in those giant skulls. Except this would be the skull of an old rook that these bandits have been living in and kind of scavenging parts from to the best of their abilities, or at least using it as a safe place as they assault travelers on the road in and around these canyonlands. And the trap that we avoid is because we found one of these unfortunate souls who was stuck in a bandit trap and has since died. We did manage to grab some supplies from that person, however, which, you know, isn't great, but we may need it more than they did or do now. And Burger trying out his newfound rumble magic abilities that we upgraded him back in the city of Rust Gorge when we met a Lapidarist. Trying out his new abilities accidentally set off another trap, which was an event card that we pulled that happened to be a loud sound. So that alerted the bandits to our presence in their area, and we are going to go into a combat against these other humans. So going back to combat rules and Colossal, it's pretty straightforward. It is going to get a little, I'm going to do a little bit of finagling because I again have a I have an ally in Alice. So I'm just gonna draw one additional card and say it's Alice as opposed to doing it with two players, like a co-op. There are rules for co-op combat, but technically I'm still just one person and this person is an ally. So I'm going to draw one card for Alice. I'm going to say that there's probably, let's say there are five bandits, right? This is a camp. Maybe they're not all here at the moment, but this is dangerous. So we are outnumbered five to three. I'm going to draw three cards for Marco's combat score of three as the followed class and one additional card for Alice, but that means that every time until we get rid of these bandits, at least in the first round, they're going to get some damage in and we are going to take our first wounds of this campaign. But first we need to build our opponents, which again is pretty easy when you're building another person as opposed to a rook. The rook comes with what kind of... what type is it like attack or defense does it have any magic abilities etc humans are very simple we're going to draw one card and depending on the suit of that card it tells us their intention and then we're going to draw another card and that's going to tell us what kind of weapons they have so here goes the first card i flipped a queen of spades and that means that their intention is to kill us oh no yeah this is going to be dangerous oh no 
bandits. And then the second card is what kind of weapon they have. I ro- I flipped a four of clubs. Low numbers are range. That is not good for us, guys. I think we decided that Alice's weapon is technically ranged. Marco only has a staff, which is melee. And Berger does have magic. But we'll see if we flip those cards and can actually make anything happen here. I think that with the ranged weapons and the intention to kill, these bandits have the upper hand. They have us on our uh, on our heels. So, oh boy, here goes. We have created these bandits. And let's see how this fight's going to go. This is not going to be very good. Uh, as a reminder, Marco has a combat score of 3 and exploration score of 5. If I were to take a wound, it says here... At the end of combat, you must count up the number of wounds your character has taken. Luckily, actually, so far, I don't think we've taken any. We've managed to clash on anything. We've never lost a card. We've always managed to at least tie, which is a clash, and you don't take wounds. But for each wound your character has taken, you must remove one point from either their exploration or combat scores. Oof. Yeah, that's uh, this. this might be really bad. But let's see how this goes. So for people, for another person... Their combat score is only one, but again, I said there's five, so I'm going to flip five cards for them, one for each of these bandits. I do want the stakes to be a little dangerous here. We talked about how the Canyonlands are like a Wild West, so being basically ambushed by a bandit camp that we've stumbled into, this is not going to bode well for us. So here goes. I'm going to flip my three cards for Marco and have them ready, and then the one extra card for Alice. And then I'm going to flip one by one, basically, for each of these bandits. And we're going to narrate it that way, as opposed to me flipping all five of the cards so I can kind of pick and choose. I think it'll be more dramatic if I do it one by one, because then my decisions as to what cards to put when, you know, put against the opponents, is going to matter more. All right, so here's Marco's three cards. A 7 of diamonds, diamonds being creative attacks. A 10 of spades, that's a good number, and that is an unarmed attack, so we can say that that's a staff or, you know, somebody just punching. A queen of clubs, clubs are weapon attacks, so that could be, well, that'll be the staff attack. And then here's Alice's card. Alice is is a 4 of spades, not a very good attack, and it's unarmed, so Alice is going to be caught a little off guard here, apparently. And let's see what happens here. I think that, again, we alerted these bandits when Berger accidentally created a loud sound, triggering a trap or something like that, using their rumble magic, practicing it. And when that loud snap goes off and maybe it sets off, you know, it's like it was what a trigger for not only a trap, but it definitely alerted these bandits. We hear the commotion. They all grab what I imagine to be either bows or crossbows or something like that. And they climb up again i'm just imagining this like a bow coblin camp in breath of the wild so they kind of climb up these shoddily made platforms that they've created around this massive rook skull and the first one is going to get their attack so let's see it is a queen of hearts oh no hearts are magic attacks okay so this makes this interesting so maybe they don't just have ranged weapons maybe one of them has a helm i don't think The book has rewards for fighting other humans, but I don't see why this wouldn't work. So let me just flip to see what card I would get if I was going to get a reward. And oh my goodness. Perfect. So I flipped a spade, which does say a helm. So I love... Okay, so perfect. So if I were to get a reward out of this, it would be a helm. 
And that makes sense as to this first card that is flipped, which is a helm, a helm attack, ranged attack. So they're using magic and it is a queen. So I have no option unless I want to take damage here. I might have to use my queen of clubs, which is a weapon attack against this helm attack. I think, I guess let me flip another card here to see what... Uh, what magic type this helm would be. I flipped a three of hearts. So that is going to be rumble. Oh, so that makes sense too. I mean, if this is a rumble magic helm user and Berger used rumble magic in the vicinity, maybe they were aware of it. It set this thing off and they can kind of, oh, think about it like not echolocation. What's the, in a game like Dungeons and Dragons, it's called Tremor Sense, but it's kind of like that very fine, detection based off of the rhythm or the um the pattern of footfalls or anything on the ground think why the fremen move funnily in doom or like toff in uh, avatar how she can sense things by the vibrations so okay so we have a rumble helm user who immediately strikes back so i think that while all of these bandits are kind of climbing up and getting into position with their ranged weapons. Uh, this one instead attacks strictly with magic. They kind of close their eyes. They don't even move. They're just sitting in the middle of this camp and their helm kind of uh, starts spinning and it locks in basically right in the direction of our three protagonists and a rumble attack. We see kind of a crack or a rumble going along the ground as it spikes up into uh, into the fray. And I think that because this is a weapon attack, I'm actually going to say this is Marco. And Marco is very quick about it as this shard of earth kind of erupts from the ground and is about to attack one of the three. Marco slams their staff down, slams his staff down, and it kind of cracks this open. Whatever's at the end of his staff, maybe it's this powerful, uh, a powerful piece of stone or like an unbreakable piece of stone or something like that. But basically something hard and it counteracts that magic attack. All right. What is the next bandit going to do? Oh, no. A jack. A jack of clubs. So that is a weapon attack. We said they have ranged weapons and that it is going to shoot. I'm going to go ahead and say. I'm sorry, Alice, you did have the lowest card, which is a four. I'm just going to let that one go and keep my higher cards for potentially being able to get some ground back in this fight. This attack, Alice is quickly trying to change out the end of the weapon on her rope. And an arrow sails through and hits Alice. I will say that the wound is going to affect Marco and not Alice because she's just an ally. But at the moment, she uh, she takes an arrow right into the right into the shoulder. Let's out a scream. The third attack. Oh, no. A ten of hearts. That would be a magic attack again. I also have a spade, which is a ten of spades, which is an unarmed attack. So... I think another magic attack comes out as these bandits are are doing this, but the unarmed attack I think is I think it's Marco again. I think that Marco follows the pattern of the ground that has kind of cracked where this is coming, and Marco sprints towards the helmed user, knowing that they're going to be dangerous. And Marco just kind of bowls into them and causes their magic attack to go awry. Another clash. No damage on either side, but Marco kind of tackles this helm user to the ground. All I have left is a seven of diamonds, and they have two attacks left from bandits. Okay, we get a three of diamonds. That is a creative attack on their end. So I think that maybe one of them 
creative attack. I don't know what that would be. Basically, they're just going to shoot. And I think this creative attack on our end is going to be Alice and Berger working together, where Alice finally gets something on her rope and is about to fire it. And that's when Berger uh, begins using some of his ice magic powers. She shoots her weapon, and instead of having a spear or a harpoon or a grappling hook on this, it literally just has like a heavy metal ball. And Berger freezes the rope. And so that way she can kind of just use it as a clothesline. And she swings it and manages to take one of the bandits down off of one of these things. And we get that Wilhelm scream, ah, as he falls off and slams into the sand unconscious. Unfortunately, the bandits do have one more attack. And it is a king of hearts, which is a magic attack. So this is going to affect Marco as he has tackled this helmed user to the ground. And, oh goodness, uh, the helmed user is using rumble powers. They just use it to, yeah, uh, Earth comes out of the ground and punches Marco in the chest. He flies up and lands a few feet away from this magic user. Now, I don't have to tally up these wounds in the middle of combat. I do it only at the end. So let's note that I have taken two wounds in the first round of that combat. We've taken out one of these bandits, so... There are four bandits left. We're going to flip four cards for our side, three for Marco, one for Alice, and four cards for the other side of the four remaining bandits. Our three cards are an eight of hearts, a seven of spades, oh no, a three of spades, and a four of diamonds. Very low for us. This is not looking good. And the first attack from one of these bandits is, of course, a jack of spades, which is an unarmed attack. I think that when other bandits see Marco... And he closed the distance and tackled this helmed user. That person must be their leader. So I'm not going to assign a card just in case here, because there may be twos left in this deck. And I'm going to say that Marco uh, gets kicked in the ribs. So that is a third wound. Oh, goodness. The second card that they flip is an ace of hearts. Aces are low cards in Colossal. So that is why I'm going to use that three. I purposely didn't throw the three away there, thinking... Uh Uh-oh, like, but what if there's a two or an ace? So the ace of hearts, which is a magic attack, uh, Marco gets kicked in the ribs and this helmed user thinks that they're going to get away with it. But Marco rolls with the kick and sees that this person is now assuming Marco's taken care of. One of the bandits is handling them and is going to use a magic attack against Alice or Berger. And Marco gets up, scrambles to his feet, and just punches this helmed user right in the thing. We see his hand. He looks down and goes, ow, 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 because his knuckles hurt. He just punched a rock-helmed user, but it caught them off guard. And actually, that would mean that they have defeated this person. So I think he knocks the helmed person out, which is hysterical. He punches them, and we see, we talked about how it kind of spins. I think that maybe they have like a cool, like, visory part of their helm that spins around so they kind of have 360 degree again maybe that tremor sense right it kind of pinpoints where certain vibrations are coming from so they kind of have 360 vision and he punches it and we just see it kind of spin around a bunch of times before stopping and this person drops to the ground so we've gotten rid of their magic user their next card oh no is a 10 of diamonds diamonds are creative attacks i think what they're going to do is they're going to use that frozen rope that Berger and Alice comboed on last time, and they're going to use it against Alice. I'm going to put this against Alice. This is a fourth wound, as we have lost that. They pull it, and what they do is they snap the rope off. So now Alice's weapon in her arm 
is not as effective because now her rope doesn't go as far. Oh, I just realized I didn't have to hold. So I, I will throw away my seven of uh, spades against that jack uh, because there was only four bandits. So we're down to our last flip for the bandits and it is against our eight of hearts and they flip a king of spades. So I'm going to take my fifth wound. I only have eight stat points total. So I'm in very, very bad shape here. I've taken five wounds against them and they still have three bandits left. All right, so we're going to flip our four cards and they get three cards. We have a six of clubs, a king of clubs, a three of clubs, and Alice has a ten of clubs. Wow, all the way across. We got a flush here. And they get three cards, a queen of diamonds, a four of hearts, and a nine of clubs. So we are going to be able to end the fight here, but I am going to get out of this with five wounds. This is going to be brutal. So against their queen of diamonds, which is a creative attack, I think that they're going to try and do something else. Uh, as they see their helmed leader has gone down, one of their bandits has been dropped off of one of their platforms, and I think two of them are going to attempt to jump against Berger to stop that. Or actually, they're going to jump against Marco, because he's the one who's been doing the most damage. And uh, our king of clubs is a weapon attack, so I think that this is going to be Marco just turns, swings his staff, and cracks one of them in the jaw. Marco is proving his combat ability here. Uh, then we have, they had a four of hearts, which we are going to defeat with our six of clubs. Another, uh, Marco is just swinging, swinging around here. And then lastly, the nine of clubs is going to de be defeated by Alice's ten of clubs, which is, uh, she's going to just use that frozen rope and swing it and crack another one of these bandits. And unfortunately, uh, we have won this fight, but at great, great cost. And we do get a reward, which is going to be that helm. But I think that we really need to think about what we're going to do now. Because this, this exploration phase just got very, very dangerous, as we have taken five wounds. So the way I'm going to do this is I'm going to take three points away from my exploration score of five to bring that to a two and i'm going to take two points away from my combat score to bring that to a one so this is really 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 rough it says here think about what form these wounds take and how they might affect your character's ongoing adventure make it a part of their legend and story maybe they heal over time in which case the scores will go back up or maybe they don't and your character carries these scars with them I don't think it's that brutal. They are going to heal from these. This was just a bandit attack. It's a lot of bumps and bruises from, you know, being hit with unarmed attacks, being hit with uh, rumble magic, which was mostly in the form of some kind of, you know, rock elemental attacks. But unfortunately, uh, this is going to be damage. I think that there are rules in the book for healing. I believe only in cities, though and when you stay at a tavern. I'm going to say, since we're not going to go back to the city to fully heal up over the course of a week, I'm going to say every night Marco will heal one point from a score. So we are currently at one combat 
to exploration. And I think that they're going to take the helm. They're going to scurry away while all of these bandits are unconscious and try and find a place to stay for the night. We will bring it up to three exploration, one combat for the moment. Because we'll still get the one combat from Alice as an ally. We'll be able to flip two cards. And hopefully, come tomorrow, we do not have another combat. Or this may be a very short adventure for Marco, Berger, and Alice. So, let's consult the oracles once again. And see if we find a safe place to camp for the night. Again, returning to the Roomlands second book of Colossal, uh, there are these oracles. We're going to flip the generic resolution table, which is hopefully we're going to flip a black card here because those are the yeses. Red cards are noes. We're going to flip. We do flip a black card. So we flip two of clubs, which is yes, but there's a complication. What that complication is, is going to be I'm going to do something different. I'm going to consult another great resource for solo role-playing, which is the Perilous Wild supplement, which was originally, I think, for Dungeon World, or at least Powered by the Apocalypse. So I'm going to roll on one of these random tables for dangers. So using these supplements, I'm going to roll 2d6 and see what I get here. And I got a hazard, and then I roll another 2d6 to see what kind. I got natural, and then I roll another 2d6 to see what that natural is, and I got a 10, which says fire, flood, or tornado. So that makes sense in these deserts. I think what happens is we do find a safe place to camp for the night, but during the night there is a sandstorm. And we hunker down, and we did scavenge those supplies from that unfortunate person who was stuck in the trap from these bandits, I think we lose those supplies. That's a pretty reasonable complication, I think. But we do manage to safely rest for the night, and we are going to be able to continue on, battered and bruised, towards the point of our first quest, our, our Hunter's Guild quest, to reconcile or stop this flying rook in the middle of a lake on an island. Now, beyond that, depending on how this encounter goes with the Rook, we do know that Marco's familial map has that strange glyph on it, which is present on the side of a larger plateau further into the Canyonlands, which might be the site of a Rookling factory, another massive trapped Rook or something like that, but there are smugglers and there are lawless people out there, and something strange is going on. However, we'll get there when we get there. Let's see how this next exploration phase goes. Now, I love this. Marco has taken a beating, right? So his exploration score is down to three. His combat score is down to one. We do have that new helm that I don't think he or Alice has really done anything with as far as trying to figure out how it works. But we do have access to that, either for trading or for use in combat in the future. At the moment, I don't think either of them has equipped it. Actually, you know what? Maybe Alice is considering it, given her rope from her arm 
has been shortened. But first, let's see how this exploration phase goes. I think the all of the bruises and the just uncomfortable injuries mean that Marco can't travel as well as he usually does. His exploration score is usually a 5. He's very good at navigating the natural world, but just his injuries aren't allowing him to operate at 100%, so they're not moving as quickly or doing as much. So that's why we're only going to flip three cards. Now, if we get into a fight, those injuries are even more going to hamper his abilities. He's only flipping one card per combat. So hopefully, fingers crossed here, we don't get anything crazy, but we know these Canyonlands are dangerous. And I believe anytime we flip a face card during a exploration phase, something crazy happens. We've yet to do so. But you never know. Here goes. Three cards. A six of diamonds. A jack of diamonds. There it is. Our first our first face card in an exploration phase. Oh, God. Fingers crossed this isn't terrible. And an ace of clubs. Okay. Here goes. Let's find out what these do. First, the six of diamonds. Another adventurer like yourself, garbed in rook armor and armed as one of the classes. What do they want? Are they here to help you and take down a rook? If so, what do they want in return? Or are their intentions darker? If you fight them, create a human opponent in your combat phase. And because it is a diamond, they are not friendly. But we're going to come back to that because I kind of have an idea and I also really don't want to get in a fight. Next is the Jack of Diamonds. So we're going to go down here. It says here, drawing a jack, queen, or king, no matter the suit or color, follow the table below. When it comes to a rook, blah, blah, blah. Okay, a jack, you find an item. Consult the item table. Okay, so it's not a fight. This is great. Okay, we're going to flip for an item. I got a nine, which says machine part. Okay, there is a machine part. There is a not friendly NPC who we can always use the NPC creation rules to find out who they are. And then our last card was an ace of clubs. And it says here, a large treasure, maybe a chest or valuable golden object, perched atop an altar. Whatever it is, it fills you with hope for your adventure. Add one point to either your exploration or combat scores and come up with an item for your inventory. This is great. Okay, so we're going to add one point to exploration or combat, I think, and come up with an item for your inventory. Okay, we have an unfriendly NPC. We have a large treasure. That because it is a club and not a spades, spades would have said untouched. Club says evidence of attempted raids. And then we got the item, which was the machine part. So I think that the machine part is going to be part of whatever this large treasure is. I think the sandstorm in the night, as it would do in something like a desert, has blown away what used to be a dune, a, a large Maybe a large dune of sand has been scoured away by the sandstorm in its passing and has uncovered this. Maybe it was a stash. Maybe it's a small cave. Maybe it's something where people have put things in the past. Or maybe it's just an ancient rook carcass, uh, you know, an ancient rook body that has been unearthed under the sands. And I managed to find a machine part that can be used or traded back in Rust Gorge or whatever next city we find ourselves in. And maybe evidence of attempted raids means that it shows evidence of having been in multiple battles. Now, this stroke of luck is amazing. So we get to add one to either our exploration or our combat score. 
and we get to make up an item. We find a machine part, and I think what we're going to find... Hmm. You know what? Let's consult the item table again. I think that that's the easiest way to do this. I got a seven, which says a tame animal. Oh, that's funny. An animal has made this its den, and when it was blown out and excavated by the sandstorm... Now it has returned, but it doesn't realize that it's dangerous. Ooh, do we get an animal companion? It's really not the most ideal choice as far as mechanically good, but you know what? I think Alice gets a small little... We talked about how the animals in these canyonlands, in the roomlands, are kind of combinations of animals that you might find. So I think that this one is going to be a tiny little fennec fox looking creature. Except it also has, oh my goodness, it's a fennec fox that has, you know those lizards that they have those frills that come out, they kind of look like the ones from Jurassic Park, where it kind of just goes, and the le like the little side gills kind of flare out. It's a fennec fox that has something like that. So it's this cute little thing, but if you scare it, it's it can make this terrifying, huge gesture. And that it does that, and I think Alice goes, oh my god, it's even cuter! And she runs forward and pulls out some food from her, some leftovers maybe from the animal that she caught, the easy prey that she caught earlier, and offers it. And that was kind of like a rabbit and a reptile. Fennec foxes are carnivores, so I think that it takes it. And thus begins the wonderful friendship of Alice and her her new little animal companion, who we're going to obviously name at some point. But that reminds me, we are here, this uncovered bit of goody goodness. Uh, we found a little animal, we found machine parts, but this is where that not-so-friendly NPC is going to show up. So let's flip cards to create the NPC and see what they're all about. We're going to flip three cards. Their name, 8, Yaleris. Their look, 5. Muscle-bound. Ooh, muscle-bound Yaleris. And their characteristic is a seven, which says arrogant and overconfident. Well, yeah, obviously this person is not going to be getting along with Marco and or Alice and or Berger. So they are not a nice person. They are arrogant and muscle-bound. They're a hunter, obviously. It even says in the prompt that they are armed and in rook armor and they have one of the classes. I think that this one, if they're so muscle-bound and crazy, I think maybe... I tend to give everyone the armed, but you know what? I know exactly what this is. Do you know who this is? This is the hunter that we met in the Crackways. And I think they've kind of been tailing Marco ever since then. When Marco escaped, maybe he saw him. Maybe Yolaris spied. Marco, as he entered Rust Gorge and the Hunter's Guild, and is curious, who is this kid? What is he doing? How did he get out of there? What is this all about? And he also recognized Berger's glyph. And now we're heading in that direction? I think Yolaris, I don't think we're going to fight him, because I think he's more maybe a rival type or something like he doesn't like something about Marco that maybe Marco doesn't even realize why he wouldn't like him. Something like his family's map and key, which obviously Yolaris doesn't know about, but Marco knows is tied to Berger, 
and because this hunter saw Berger and drew some conclusions, maybe there's a faction thing here. Maybe there's maybe Yolaris is a hunter, but is also a smuggler out in deep in the Canyonlands where this plateau and that glyph is. And he wants to know whether or not Marco is good or bad for that operation. Ooh, this got really juicy. Now, does Yolaris confront Marco now that he's out here? Marco is beaten and bruised. Let's go ahead and add that one point that we get from flipping that ace to combat. So now we have three exploration and two combat for our scores. We're slowly getting back up to normal. And let's think about what this interaction with Yolaris is going to look like. So I'm on my last card of the deck since we shuffled, and I'm going to use it. I have no idea what this card is. I'm go this could be bad. I'm going to consult the generic resolution oracles from Colossal, and I'm going to say, do Marco, Berger, or Alice notice Yolaris watching them or approaching them as they are going through this very lucky find and stash? Last card, here we go. I flipped, it is a king of diamonds, so red means no, so no, they do not notice Yolaris as he is approaching, but because it's a high card, it says no, but there's an upside, and I think that upside, I'm just going to say it, is that Yolaris is not here to attack them. I think he's here to interrogate and kind of maybe try and steer them away. All right, let's remember Yolaris had that kind of uh, Brooklyn accent, so he's like, I gotta say, kid, how'd you get out of the crackways? Last I saw you, you were surrounded by those big, those strange-sized rooks. I didn't think you had the skills to get out of there. And Marco, terrified, kind of turns around quickly, grabs at his ribs where he'd been kicked, and winces. He looks up and he says, uh, You? What are you doing out here? You just ran away. Some help you were. And Alice says, Don't worry. I was there to help him. Who is this jerk? And Marco says, I met him in the crackways. He was said he was there hunting something. Did you find what you were looking for? Eh, no thanks to you, kid. I had to get out of there before I could do any real work. But that's all right. I saw you when you entered Rustgorge. Not gonna lie, I was a little surprised. But, uh, you came in? came into the Hunter's Guild, you accepted a quest, you asked a lot of questions, I heard you had a map. My boss seemed pretty fond of you, honestly, but, uh, I gotta say, you're going after a big score with that rook that flies around that, uh, that reservoir up over there. I've seen better hunters than you go up there and fail. What makes you think you could do it? And Marco says, maybe because I'm not hunters like everyone you know? I'm sure there's a way, but it might not be what you typically think. What are you saying? You're better than me, kid? I didn't say that. I just... Alice speaks up and says, Maybe he is better than you. From what I've heard, you kind of just ran at the first sign of trouble, so... Oh, big mouth on the little girl. Look, I don't want any trouble. But I don't think you know what you're getting yourself into heading into these canyonlands. I got my eye on you, kid. You and that little Rooklyn of yours. Berger puts their big, now rumbly, icy fists up. And he goes, oh, this kid. 
I forgot how much I liked him. And then his arm with that massive sword kind of unsheaths from his back. And it just points at the three of them. And he says, you better hope I don't run into you out here again. And he stalks off. Now, obviously, we know he's been watching Marco. But that was meant as a warning. I think he probably has some kind of Hunter's Guild code, right? He's not supposed... Obviously, he doesn't gain anything from attacking Marco here. He doesn't know a whole lot about what Marco has. He just sees him as a potential thorn in a bigger project. If, in fact, he is involved. Maybe we should actually consult... Let me shuffle some cards and let's consult the Oracles and see if Yolaris here is associated with that smuggling thing. And it could be either that he truly is... I think no matter what, I'm going to tie this NPC into that kind of arena. But let's see if it's either genuinely as a criminal, or maybe he's undercover for the Hunter's Guild. And he sees Marco and their attempts to pursue this as a threat to all of the progress he's made. So let's flip a card and see which it is. All right, so the way we're phrasing this is going to be, is Yolaris undercover as a member of the Hunter's Guild attempting to take down this smuggling organization or what have you from the inside? So black would be yes, he's undercover. Red would be no, in which case he is actually a criminal. I flipped a seven, a seven of spades. So it is a black card. Yes, no complication, no bonus, just straight. Yes, he is undercover. And he sees Marco, Alice, and Berger pursuing this quest as potentially going to ruin everything he's worked hard on. So that's why he's antagonistic. But he's not going to fight Marco. Oh, that that's so good. Oh, man. This just got really, really dramatic. All right. Well, that was another exploration phase. And technically, that's the second exploration phase that should take us basically to the plateau where we know this flying rook is going to be now what i'm going to do is i'm going to take one more night of rest to recover one more of our stats so we are at three exploration two combat one more night of rest is going to take us to three exploration three combat so i can go into this fight with this flying rook with as much firepower as possible because i have a really exciting idea there are rules in the Roomlands book for fighting within a giant, like a huge rook. Now we decided that this was a massive rook, so it is roughly the size of a large house or huge building. So it says here, large rooks have battlements, balconies, and rooms within them and are much harder to take down. So I want Marco to think about how the previous missions have ended in failure. And I think he's going to attempt to take this fight with this rook, get close, get inside, and see if he can find out if something is wrong with it, and subdue it from within. And that's what we're going to do next time. Thank you once again for joining me for another episode of Playing With Myself on the Internet. Please go check out Colossal by Nick Angel. You can find it at Colossal.com. That is C-O-L-O-S-T-L-E dot com. It's an amazing book. Very wonderful art. 
very evocative, very easy to just pick up and play, and I'm having an absolute blast. I'm so glad I chose this as the first game for this solo role-playing series. If you like what we do here at DMs After Dark, consider following us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, maybe some of those other ones. I don't know. Search and find out if we're on there and reach out to us. We love interacting with people. If you want to reach out to us directly, you can email us at dmsafterdark at gmail.com. We love getting emails and responding to people. We do have some merch in the works, t-shirts, bookmarks to do giveaways, and hopefully stickers and things like that soon. So if you're interested in that, stay tuned. Keep an eye out on our social media to see if we are going to be streaming on December 30th continuing our Crossroads Carnival series before we jump into 2023. And normally this is where Sarah, the professional at our outros, would say something like, sorry for whatever, but I'm not sorry for the show that we are calling Playing With Myself on the Internet. I am quite happy with how family-friendly and fun this has been to explore solo role-playing. I hope that you are enjoying it. And until next time, play with yourself. Surprise, I didn't do that one the first time. Bye.